Yo, yo, yo. Yo. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Hello from Martha's Vineyard. You're still on the island soaking in the last bits of summer, I take it? Yeah. Although, I mean, the, the hurricane has started to make its way near us, so it's not feeling very summery. It feels more mm. stormy, fally kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I've been here um, five days now. And uh, it's been going really well so far. My hope was that I would get like work done, but also just enjoy the island. And so far, I've been able to do that. Nice. Yeah, I've been like getting up pretty early. So that I'm staying with my aunt and uncle and cousin who live here year round, and they get up really early. So I've just been like going to bed when they go to bed and getting up when they get up. And so I started working at like I don't know eight most days, which is early for me. And then I get a few hours of work done, and then like bike into town, get some breakfast, get some coffee come back work a little bit and then like bike over to the beach and swim for a little bit and it's just it's been a really nice like kind of like work enjoy the island work enjoy the island back and forth yeah that's really cool i mean i find it it does help to kind of add variety to the work day change up where i'm working and stuff i've been doing that especially the last couple of weeks because it's just so dang nice outside right now it's like been 70 degrees for the last two weeks we haven't had an 80 degree day for since like august 15th or something it's crazy. So like fall's coming early and I'm like, I can't just sit in my office all day long. I got to get out there. So I've been biking around and it, it's nice to work in like getting a little blood flow going midday when I start to feel the lull, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's my yeah. favorite is like timing the stop for one, like a nice kind of a breaking point. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is good. The test pass or like I'm stuck or just something, just figure out a good reason, a good excuse and then like go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging it. Totally. Yeah, and the island is wonderful this time of year. It's a very popular tourist destination in the summer, but after mm-hmm. Labor Day, it drops off really fast. But mm-hmm. everything is still open. So I feel like I'm I'm cheating. Like everywhere I go is not busy. The weather, except for the storm, is actually quite nice. Like it's still warm enough, but it's it gets cool at night and it's dry. It's just, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to fall and even winter a little bit. Like I've become a, a fan of the seasons and I'm, I'm looking forward to a season coming up where like things are feel a little bit calmer outside in terms of activities and so i can kind of get longer stretches of focus and i think it'll be good Uh, because sometimes it's just hard you get you feel the allure of going outside in nice weather uh in the summertime so we had a a bit of a slow week the week before labor day and i'm I'm curious if we'll see like people just coming back from vacations and starting stuff up again yeah it'd be great to blame our uh, slower business on uh, other people (laughs) I feel like business does pick up a little bit when like kind of prime vacation time is done. And then, of course, things drop off, you know, Thanksgiving between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's kind of a, a definitely a lull for SAS. But um, yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, feeling pretty, pretty lucky that I get to, I get to do this. This is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I did experience a nice moment the other day, which is so even though things are good and, I, and I, I'm enjoying myself, I am now like working remotely effectively and like my family here like goes to work and school during the day so it's just me uh, in the house most of the time and the other day i was like kind of uh i guess just like frustrated like I, i'm struggling with this code problem and was kind of annoyed and kind of down and then i did a call with spencer and joel just talked for like five or ten minutes and afterwards i was like wow i feel way better just that little bit of like social interaction and talking to those guys and it was like it was very noticeable in my mood yeah yeah one of the benefits of having co-founders, I think. Yeah, for sure. For, sure. for me in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I talked about last episode um, considering adding single sign-on for a prospect that I was talking to. And uh, we decided to do it. Nice. Okice. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, this is actually, <laughs> so it's, it's, 
it's been fun though. Like I, I haven't taken on like a big back end task in a while. Uh, and so it's cool to be in my comfort zone and, and working on something that, I, that I'm familiar with. Do you feel like you're, have your chops gotten uh, rusty or is it kind of like riding a bike? Uh, it's mostly like riding a bike, I think. I feel like a lot of development is like habits. There are a couple of things that I, I knew like could have tripped me up, but didn't because I just happened to know about this thing. Or I made a good guess based on some past experience. I was like, oh, yeah, that's how that works. So I feel, I still feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty all right. Talking to like Rob, like he intentionally stayed out of the code for drip and he didn't want that to be a potential distraction. And at one point, like we were like a year and a half in and things were growing slowly and he had like considered like, should I try to learn a little bit of rails so I can like help out on some of this stuff? Cause we had more product work than marketing work to do at the time, but ultimately didn't. And I know now when he works on stuff, he talks about like, just kind of feels like he's a, a cowboy coder now. Like he just kind of throws stuff together as fast as possible. Doesn't have like the patience to do like a rigorous development process because he's just, it's not his main thing anymore, you know? And I wonder like, have you felt that at all as you get back into development? Does it feel like you just want to kind of rush through things and get, get to your objective or not really? I'm still pretty uh, anal or something. <laughs> I'm fairly painstaking, I guess about it. I care a lot about the code quality, although I was thinking today about like what has changed in like my development style over time. And I would say the biggest thing that I notice is that I am not doing TDD for everything anymore. Like I used to be like really hardcore and I was TDDing everything. Like I wouldn't write any production code without a failing test just about. And now I would say I do that most of the time, but I'm way less dogmatic about it. So sometimes I'll just say, you know what, this is just not worth the time it's going to take me to get this under test and I'm okay. And if it breaks, I'll live with it and we'll fix it. And that's fine. I've kind of dropped my coverage requirements, I guess, where I'm okay. Like being like, yeah, there's a bit of a risk here that something will break, but I don't think it's worth having a test for this occasionally. And then also I have started leaning way more on like feature tests, like higher level tests than low level tests. Uh, I used to uh, do like outside in development. So I'd start with a feature test and then like slowly let that drive out uh, lower level unit tests. Uh, and I found that I was getting less and less value from those unit tests. I still write them for complicated um, edge casey type things. Like if there's a big conditional or something that I want to, you know, get at directly, I'll reach for a unit test. But I find that the bulk of my tests these days are um, higher level than that. And I'm finding them much more useful and less coupled to the underlying implementation. I've kind of had a similar evolution in my in my approach to testing and stuff. And and I will admit, like, a fair amount of stuff that I'm spiking out right now for static kit, like exploring different features or different ways to structure things. I have like written fewer tests on this than than I would have in the past. And it's allowed me to move a lot quicker. Once I feel like things stabilize a bit, then I know the areas that I want to add at least high level tests on. Some things are just simple enough where I can I can literally exercise the the core feature paths like in the browser or in a console like easy enough where the product is still relatively simple at this point I have a high degree of confidence once I've seen it verified manually and I think it's like giving up giving up some of that like guilt that I feel cuz I mean I feel like the Rails community and like coming up through that ecosystem I developed this strong sense of like like if I'm not constantly doing TDD all the time, then I should feel guilty or I should feel like I'm, you know, writing bad code or something like that. But uh, I think I've kind of evolved similarly where like, you know, trying to take a more practical approach to it and especially keeping in mind the stage of the product that I'm in. Like I'm not, I don't have a large team right now that's working on this large production system that has like 
you know, extremely high uptime requirements. Like the, it's just a different stage. And I, I'm trying to be careful not to treat it like that. You know, as always, there are costs and benefits to tests, just like everything else in programming. And so there are substantial benefits, but to pretend that there are, there's never a situation where the costs outweigh the benefits or that the, the ratio is not good enough that it's worth doing, I think is a bit too simplistic. And I used to be one of those people that was just like, no, TDD all the time. That's the answer. But I would say these days, uh, I am very, I'm skeptical of pretty much any approach that's like, oh, you should always do this. <laughs> it's like, yes, mm, you sure. So I feel I'm, I'm at peace with uh, the amount of tests I'm writing. And I would say we have pretty small amount of regressions. Like I, we're not accidentally breaking lots of stuff or shipping lots of broken features. And we still have bugs. Bugs slip through for sure. But it doesn't feel noticeably like an increased amount anecdotally. So do you have a, a sense for how long this project's going to take you? Huh. Well, so we want to implement single sign-on. The protocol for this is called SAML. And if you Google like single sign-on Rails or SAML Rails or anything like this, they basically all point you at the same... There's like there's like five blog posts and they all tell you like use this device plugin basically and we weren't running on device we generated our app i think from thoughtbots like rails scaffolder thing called suspenders who knows whose fault it is but somehow we ended up on this gem called oath which is a good gem it's it's like a nice sort of sort of simple not complected not magic-y kind of authentication library but as i started trying to, to layer sso on top of oath and thinking like, you know, if this is a lot easier in the device world, and who knows, maybe one day we want to also have like login with GitHub or like one thing we've been thinking about adding is like uh, email confirmations on sign up and things like that. And there's just like a lot of um, kind of off the shelf, easily done for you things in device just by going the path of, hey, everyone uses this. And so it just felt more and more like, you know, I think this is, we've kept talking about possibly going to device. And I was like, you know what, I'm just, let's just go for it now. And so, well, well actually what I decided was let's spend a day. So I basically said, I just told Spencer and Joel, like, I'm going to spend tomorrow trying to get us on device and see how hard it is. The, the core concern there, man, we're nerding out hard in this episode, uh, was basically we have all these hashed passwords or these digested passwords in the database already from a certain password digest scheme. And I was like, there's no way we're going to like do the solution if everyone has to reset their password. There's like, that's just a deal breaker. <laughs> right. And by nature, you cannot decrypt these and re-encrypt them according <laughs> exactly. to another scheme. I mean, that's the idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the good news is both libraries rely on bcrypt under the hood. Oh, nice. And so they had okay. slightly different parameters. So I had to like tune the, like make the parameters line up. But at the end of the day, it was the same algorithm. And so I, I figured out pretty quickly, okay, I can get oath and devise's password hash, like digesting strategies to match. And that was like, okay, so it's worth, and, and then after about a day, I was like, okay, I've like, you know, I got most of the tests passing. And then just as of today, uh, all the tests passed and I, we are fully moved over. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. That was fast. Not too bad. I'm, yeah. I, yeah. And I, it's, it's fun. I haven't done like straight up like hours and hours of programming in a while. And it's just a nice, it's, it makes my brain feel good. I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have to like move data within tables and stuff? Was this like a like a big refactor or was it relatively minor in that sense? Like, um, in I would call it a medium size change. The interesting thing about changing an underlying library is it exposes where your technical debt is or where your abstractions are not so good. So it'd be like, oh, yep, that's right. I have, I, I'm calling this thing in like four different places, which means I have to change it in four different ways or ideally, you know, abstract it now and then change it there, blah, blah, blah. It was not super painful, but it wasn't super easy either. 
Uh, not too much migration changes required. Like I can just tell device like, hey, this is the column you're going to look at for the password and whatnot. And you know, programming is fun, it turns out. Mm-hmm. So even <laughs> when I was like, oh, this is kind of annoying, uh, it, was, it was not so bad. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. The great thing about a failing test is it tells you what to do next. Yeah, just if it's like, a well-architected test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. But just in general, it's like if I'm working on a different kind of project that's not programming related, it's usually, there's usually like, okay, which of these seven things are you going to do next? With this, it was more like, all right, here are the set of failing tests. You can pick one of those, but you're going to try to just make one of them pass. And yeah. yeah it can be very yeah a very satisfying pursuit for the brain when when things logically align unlike the squishier things we have to do like uh, figuring out marketing problems or sales problems or something right <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yep i didn't get blocked very often like i was mostly making fairly steady forward progress which is like the most fun and then the times i did get blocked was funny i was noticing like oh i misread the documentation and i called the wrong method or i, I missed something um, and it was like, man, if I were pairing on this, I bet I wouldn't have gotten blocked on those places. And I was going to ask, yeah, yeah, did you do any pairing with this? I didn't project? end up doing it. We're all sort of pushing our own independent things forward. But it was like, yep, if I had been pairing, I bet we wouldn't have made this mistake. I think that's like one of the best arguments for pairing, actually, is just that psychologically, the most annoying part of programming is being blocked. Being like, this seems like it should work. I don't understand why it's not. I can't figure out why it doesn't work like I think it's going to. If you're in there for more than a few minutes, it's like it just feels terrible. And so it's like just the fact that that happens so much less often when pairing is really a huge benefit. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's crazy how two different eyes looking at the same thing can just have a completely different perspective. And oftentimes it's like what what leaves you stumped, the other person has already spotted or something, you know, it's, it's way it's harder to like fully stop two people than one. I would say it's like more than twice as hard. Yeah, so. I did occasionally wish for a pair, but it never got too bad. So it's Friday now, uh, and I think early next week, I want to get that deployed as its own thing. Just like, okay, let's switch over to device fully and make sure it works okay. And then assuming that's stable, uh, next step is, all right, let's try to add layer on SSO now that it should be hopefully easier. But it feels good. It feels like we're paying down some, not quite debt, but like we're making a change that we had wanted to do, but weren't quite sure it was ever worth it. And it was like, all right, I'm glad I just sat down and just banged this thing out. Right. Yeah, it sounds like you've not only enabled yourself to easily implement new things in the future, but you've also like improved the code base while you're going, which is which is what you wanted. Anytime you're adding code, you hope that you can also leave like the existing code in a better place too. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to accidentally introduce problems. So I didn't I don't do like anything serious refactoring wise when I'm already in the middle of something, but I was like constantly like doing little tidying things. Like, oh, let's improve this doc string a little bit or this error message or rename this file to be slightly more accurate and just kind of always like cleaning a little bit as I go. Feels so good. Yeah. It does feel so good. Just so <laughs> satisfying. Yeah. There's a case to be made where it's like, oh, you're the CEO. You should be doing sales and marketing stuff and not doing this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but this is, first of all, this saves us time and money in a way to have me do it. Like we could hire ThoughtBot to do this for a lot more money and they would do a good job of it, but we could spend a lot of cash or we could be a little bit more uh, frugal and I could use this time I have and do a thing that makes me happy. So that's worth something too. Yeah. Just to check in, do you feel like you'll probably like, we'd talk about this probably a year ago when you were first embarking on tuple. And it was the question of like, am I going to stay in the code long-term or I'm going to turn into like kind of a full-time manager, uh, marketing person. Like, do you have updated thoughts on that? Um, yeah, maybe I, I think for now I'll probably keep writing some code because I do enjoy it and because it's a useful thing that I can do to help push the business forward. 
I imagine if we end up expanding and having more people, the management of that would require more and more. Like I'm already getting that manager schedule thing. It's like right now we have like a designer who's working on some stuff for us. And so like making sure he stays unblocked and giving him feedback on things and like like interrupts my flow. But it's like, well, this is kind of my thing is to like get interrupted for now. Uh, And so it's like trying to keep everyone else unblocked. Right now I can still get big chunks of work done. But if you added a couple more people, it would get a lot harder. So we'll see. Yeah, my advice would be like, try to recognize the point where like, it's no longer feasible for you to have long stretches of maker time anymore. And then like, be deliberate about not trying to do the maker time. Because that's what I found myself doing at the latter latter part of my drip days. It's like I had so many like my highest value time was like, working with our developers and helping people stay unblocked, helping people prioritize what they should work on and how they should approach it and stuff. And I was still trying to do my own tasks at the same time, but I was just ending the day frustrated every day because I wasn't making any progress on my own stuff. So it looked like I was sucking at that part of my job, even though I was like doing, doing what I needed to do to, to help the rest of the team. But I was like still trying to be a maker and that was so frustrating. Yep. I could see with that middle, that middle path being the worst easily. Yeah, so so no update there, I guess. Um, but I mean, the, the good news is it's fun. So, uh, or like, the good news is I'm happy. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm enjoying the ability to switch between deep code work and then be like, all right, I should focus on some marketing stuff or do some sales stuff or you know help other people. So I'm okay. I'm okay with it for now. So I touched on this, um, but we actually have somehow ended up with like two designers helping us out right now. Um, so one is a friend of mine, and the other reached out to me and was like, hey, like I'm down to just like donate some time to you guys if you're interested because i like what you're doing and it's like oh, wow. okay so <laughs> there's like yeah it's incredible I, I actually just wrote a note to ask if i can shout him out on here i want to double check so i won't mention any names for now but somehow we uh went from like no designers to having two designers working on separate parts of the app so <laughs> yeah nice so that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i guess we actually technically have three designers working for us because at the same time I was running a 99 designs contest for a new t-shirt design. So I have this idea. It's called bribing people. (laughs) I've heard some honey badgers talk about this before. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to try straight up bribing people. And so one of the bribes is going to be some shirts. And so I think I've told you this, but my dream is sort of like having three different shirts you pick from. And if you do something like three tuple calls during your first month or, you know, refer somebody or something like that, um, offering people free shirts. We just got the first t-shirt designed. I think I'm going to not tell people what it is just yet, but uh, I'm happy with how it came out. So I hope, I think we're going to probably give some away just to kind of celebrate. Yeah, we have shirts now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. You get the special early Sweet. access. Sweet. I did give you a level shirt. So you, you know. did. Yeah. No, you, for sure. You're on the list. <laughs> um yeah so that is what's going on in my world cool good stuff yeah what's up with you last time i announced that i had my first paying customer and i booked a couple more this hey week. so nice. yes growth hashtag growth. Did, so you had a 200 percent growth <laughs> something like we, that yeah yeah wow amazing zero percent churn i mean my metrics are amazing this wow. thing's gonna go hockey stick based on this and you know extrapolation ex- yeah if we extrapolate from here this is an incredible business things are looking good yeah <laughs> it just feels good to have people really happily using the product happy to upgrade all that positive things so 
So that's been good mentally. And let's see, I talked about wanting to try to get, try to every week to get, you know, the product in front of a a new audience, basically. And so I, this week, published another guide. It was about how to hook Tailwind CSS up into Next.js, one of the static, popular static site generators, and circulated that around. And that drove a, a nice chunk of traffic. And I just kind of find like a nice spike in in signups every time something like that kind of goes around. So um, so content marketing works. It does. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I should try some of that. And especially, I mean, being in the developer space, like there's so many different angles. I'm kind of inspired by like DigitalOcean, how a few years ago, especially when I was deep in Rails stuff, like so many times I would be looking for something, I would stumble across like a DigitalOcean guide on how to do something with deployment or something server related. I love this kind of content where it's like very useful and gives someone a minimum path to achieving some objective, you know, and if you can kind of distill it down into a nice tight thing then it can just be this useful thing that lives on on the internet and is not a fluff piece or not like a what some content marketing can end up being which is just like churning out content for the sake of churning out content this piece was not even you know static kit specific it didn't even include like using the product but it was just something that i was working on and i was like okay i had i had to look up like three different blog posts and look through some documentation to figure out how to do this and i i can just easily write it up in a guide and publish it. So it came together really fast. Like I like one morning I just decided as I'm as I'm actually implementing this for a site that I was building, I'm gonna also document it in a guide and publish it. So nice. Win win. Yeah. 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 I love that. It's it's nice when you can do a thing that also kind of helps the world, even if it doesn't it sounds like it did drive some good results for you, but even if it hadn't, it'd be like, oh you can feel good about putting this out there. Totally. Totally. That's the yep. best. Yeah. So I want to get back to your customer thing. So remind me, Static Kit is like a freemium kind of offering, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. So right now it's free to use for up to 100 submissions a month. If you exceed that or plan to exceed that, then I, I kind of push you towards um, upgrading to the paid plan that is capped. Right now, the only published plan is a $10 a month plan that's capped at 1,000 submissions a month for one per site. I'm very much like thinking every day about how to approach pricing and I feel like I'm I'm like I don't have to have it all figured out right now but I feel like I'm still very much undecided on how I'm going to ultimately price it especially as I start adding more more tools into the toolkit and stuff but that's where it stands today the new people that signed up did they start on the free thing or did they sign up right into a paid tier they start on the free thing and right now I have kind of the flow set up where everyone by default like there's no there's no credit card form on the sign up page like I'm trying to optimize for like get to using the product as fast as possible and make that experience extremely smooth. I kind of figure that like maybe this is not the best for business, but I always hate it when like tools try to get me, especially like a developer tool tries to get like, get me to pay right up front when it's like, I just want to try at least test this thing out and see the end to end flow. And like, that's the experience I would want. And I would be a potential user of this app. So like, it's not a bad move necessarily to optimize for like, let's, let's let you in. You can see, you can, you can set up stuff. You can play with it as much as you want. And I'm kind of phrasing it in the, in the app as like, you're in sandbox mode right now, upgrade to production when you're ready to go live. I'm trying to frame it as like, this free plan is designed to be like your sandbox. And when you're still, still in dev, and then once you push it live, like you don't want to worry about like exceeding limits and really it's designed, you know, once you go live in production, you're kind of it's best to upgrade to production plan. So I like that a lot. I feel like that would give me this subtle sense of like, I really should just, now that we're using that, we should, we should pay for this, but you're, ah, that's really good. 
it would make me feel like I was being irresponsible if I were using it for real stuff and I was still in sandbox mode. That's clever. I like that. And so I kind of put like a warning in there, like a subtle warning that, you know, this site is currently in sandbox mode. When you're ready to go live, go ahead and upgrade. Cool. So the, so the people that upgraded, they, they did that. They like used it in sandbox mode yep. a little bit and then they upgraded to the thing. Yep. Totally. Cool. Did you, did you reach out to them? Like, did you prompt them to do it or did they just do it through the app? Uh, they just did it through the app. Yeah. Hey, unprompted. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. You made money on the internet while in your free time. Yes, I know. And this is this is my goal is to like try to get the self serve engine rolling from really? the get go. Why? You that know, sounds so terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, it helps to to chat with people. And I've talked to uh, I think each of the paying customers um, at this point. So you know, it's not like I'm trying not to have any contact with people, but like ideally, this would just kind of yeah. naturally happen. So cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congrats on your hockey stick growth. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So do you have um, a sense of what's next? This week, I've been building an integration. So my goal kind of that I set out for myself was to, you know, get get some piece of content published and then hopefully wrap up um, this hosting platform integration that I was working on. And so it's actually mostly done, of course, the week as the, as the week goes, you know, like it would have needed to be done by like Wednesday to really like talk to my contacts on the hosting company and set up like a set up a promotion type thing so so realistically it's going to happen next week since it's already friday um hopefully next week i think i think things can move quickly um on that so so that'll hopefully be my my next kind of bump in exposure is kind of you know being listed officially in an integration marketplace nice uh, could be a good channel yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You never know like how much traffic these things actually drive, but I mean, it only took me about a week to to build, so not not too bad and then it, you know, it helps to have even just links for SEO and for I don't know, long-term exposure. Like if you can stay in an integration directory for a long time, integration marketing has been a pretty effective um, channel in the past for for different products that I've totally been working on. plus it, so. it's just like another little win you know you're just mm-hmm. moving moving it forward a little bit each week yep totally that's great nice yeah. dude that sounds good yeah yeah so the, the kind of the next thing I, i'm excited about working on is i'm thinking about how to make static kit even easier to deploy like it's pretty dang easy right now you know, you, you username and password, sign up one button, click to like create a form. And then it gives you a snippet of code that you can drop on your site. So like it's a it's a very smooth path. And and everyone I've talked to that's used it so far has been like, wow, that was a lot faster than I expected. I'm kind of intrigued by a pattern that I see static site generators use, which is like drop a config file in your repository that kind of declares what resources you need in order for your site to operate and then like run something from the command line to automatically provision those resources if they don't already exist and you know everything kind of lives like in git basically and i think that could be a really that could be a really interesting kind of next step for making the product even easier drop dead easy to like install in your project i like kind of the idea that like all the configuration needed to run your site anywhere lives in your repository and you can just make this part of your build process. And so you can say like, I need a contact form and I will identify it by this slug. And now like just drop that in a JSON file and a configuration file as part of your build process. It automatically provisions under your like particular environment, whether it's dev or prod. And then, you know, boom, your forms automatically work. Sounds promising. 
and I think right now, like the the idea, like part of the making this product successful is having like kind of that wow factor. I think of like, you know, this wow, this feels like the future of like provisioning resources, dynamic resources for static sites, and that's kind of what that's kind of what I want to the experience I want to give to developers. Right, and then that I feel like if you're thinking of it that way, it broadens it beyond forms. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I'm a little bit torn on where to prioritize my time. And this is where it would help to to have co-founders, but also to like just talk to, you know, people like you and and buddies who I have in the space. Cause it's tricky to prioritize. Like I want to build this command line utility, build thing, configuration, and git. And that seems like a could be a good next step. But I also am tempted to just build something else besides forms so that I can start to really like identify this as a toolkit and not just say like, this is a toolkit of components that consists of one component right now for you. Like, I feel like that's kind of blocking me and my ability to call this a toolkit. <laughs> you know, I have some ideas on like small in scope things that, that are like forms, but like maybe I can make them a little bit more use case specific so that it's, it kind of reuses a lot of the existing infrastructure that I've built around forms, but like gives people the ability to, to do some, specific use case you know i think just shooting from the hip based on Mm -hmm. thinking about it for 10 seconds Mm -hmm. um my gut tells me to keep pushing on the form thing if you think if you have some ideas for making that even better that sounds really useful like calling it a toolkit and then having it be a toolkit and there's two tools in it and they're both pretty okay is kind of like less powerful than like we just like totally crushed form backends it's it's 10x faster and easier than the other thing that's out there and like when you're there, then it's like, okay, what's adjacent from there? Yeah. Like what's what's the yeah. next thing we think we can make way better than what's out there? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But that's just hot taken. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. take or leave it. Cool. Well, I appreciate the hot take. Sure. That's <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I've been doing, speaking of hot takes, I've been doing this thing. A bunch of people have been tweeting us and saying like, oh, I listened to the last couple AOPs and I liked it a lot. So I went back to the beginning and listened to all of them, which is amazing. I think that's so cool. I was thinking, I was like, I bet that's kind of cool to like follow along the story and see what's going on. And then someone tweeted about a specific episode saying like, oh, episode 22 is like where Ben like mentions it's too bad the screen hero died and like, but doesn't quite make the connection that maybe that's a good opportunity for him. And I was like, oh, that'd be interesting to listen to. And so I listened to it and I was like, oh, that was cool. I wonder what episode 23 sounds like. And so I listened to episode 23 and it was like, oh my God, I think I'm listening to the podcast just like 80 weeks later or something. And it's actually really interesting because first of all, I've forgotten a lot of what we've talked about. So it's it's actually quite new to me most of the time. It's kind of like a movie where you know the ending or something, or like you know more than the participants in the movie. And it's like interesting to hear where we're going and what we're thinking and what we're doing and it's like oh like knowing the answer to all the things is like it makes me feel smug or something uh-huh <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's fun nice i gotta try that yeah yeah you might want to like yeah. just, just go back i mean 22 is not a bad starting spot mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like you're talking someone... about drip stuff and mm-hmm. like i'm talking about I, I just launched refactoring rails and i'm like ah, i don't know i might go get a job after this, this is getting kind of lonely and it's like oh man i know i know what happens i know what happens oh, next funny. Yeah, I saw someone say like, oh, so-and-so recommended 22 as the good starting point or something. And I was like, wow, there's like our community of listeners are like coming up with like canonical places to start if you're binging. Like it's it's funny how this stuff emerges. So cool. So cool. Um, so uh, you and I talked offline a little bit or I, I sort of pinged you about this about 
just like throwing out the idea of like some sort of paid membershipy thing for the podcast. And it's totally not a fully formed idea. It's starting to feel like there's like a lot of momentum around it, like a lot of like the feel like the fan base is growing, like the download numbers are up and people are kind of getting into it in a way that is like more intense than before. And so you and I were kicking around some ideas of like, oh, like what if we, is there some extra content or something we could do uh, in exchange for some sort of like small monthly subscription kind of thing? I floated this idea on Twitter today and someone threw out the idea of like a forum to talk about it. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, like a thread on what's the best episode to start binging on or like, you know, what's a good arc to follow or like I could see like there's, there's enough content there now where it's like there might be enough that it's worth talking about it on your own, like as a separate thing. Yeah. I think that could be cool. I, I, I like that idea. I mean, I think like a Slack feels like too, uh, <laughs> too disorganized, like a forum, yeah. a forum much, you know, much preferred over Slack, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I wouldn't sign up to do like a synchronous thing and like hang out in there. But async, possibly. Yeah. But so if you're if you're listening to this, I would actually be curious if you can think like what kind of stuff could we put in a membership tier? that would be interesting to you? Like, what don't we talk about that you would want to hear? Or what could we add? I would want to basically make it additive. So keep doing the podcast as is. And if you like the podcast, just keep listening to it. But if you wanted more hot takes or uh, 30 minutes on Ben talking about (laughs) programming crap or whatever, I don't know. um, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, totally. Where should people hit us up about this? Twitter, you think? Twitter, let's be honest. Yeah, Art Art of Product Pod is our podcast handle if you don't know it already sure yep i have occasionally come up with ideas and then not follow through with them so (laughs) this might be another one of those so don't panic if you hate the sound of this but uh just yeah just we're just uh considering yeah and i think like the idea would be that we would this this part that we do of the show stays open and free you know exactly and then and so it's yeah yeah don't panic some icing on the top not going anywhere it is fairly expensive to run the show, considering how we outsource the production and editing of it. Hosting is fairly cheap, but the, the rest is like not that cheap. So it would be nice to offset that. So who knows? We'll see. I would much rather do this, I think, over starting to do ads. Like, 100%. I just feel like ads are not really congruent with our model. <laughs> so. Yeah, never going to do yeah. ads. Yeah. May or may not do this. Definitely won't do ads. Yeah. Unless someone throws us really crazy money. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to send me an offer for an ad <laughs> that's just like ridiculous hit me up yeah if you're listening me undies <laughs> right, exactly yeah it's gonna need to be a lot of zeros though yeah i like this too over like just like uh we'll set up a patreon and you can just donate money if you like the show like i i like the idea of like there's some kind of deliverable something something special that we, we can offer and and i'm interested to hear listeners ideas about you know what you'd like maybe maybe post looting some more or something you know yeah, that that was yeah, that's one thought that we threw out. It's like maybe we just consistently do the post loots, but the post loots always end up in the the members feed. Yep, yep. So yeah, so we'll see. Curious to hear cool. what people say. Yeah, or if the pitchforks come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, shall we wrap it? Uh yeah, let's wrap it. Cool. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see ya.